Hello, and welcome to the Neff Canyon Ward podcast. My name is Tyler Slade, and I'm excited to bring you all the cool people of our neighborhood and ward. The goal of this podcast is for all of us to get to know each other better, to create unity through sharing our experiences with others in the gospel. All right, welcome. We're here at the Dayton's house. Uh, Ken and Allison Dayton, so excited. I've got uh, Tom Frederick with me. I've made a mistake by not introducing my counselors. They're like, who's that voice? <laughs> and Gary Beaner. Yeah. So when you hear their voices, you now know who they are. Yep. So excited to be here. Um, Thanks for coming. Yeah, this is, this is really cool. Um, so let's, let's just jump right in and talk about all the good stuff that's going on. We, we kind of feel like we've made it, you know? I know. Kind of newer in the ward yet, we've jumped up, we're newer to the status. rotation, yeah. I only had to pay him $20. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the cheapest date we've had in a long time. <laughs> oh, boy. And those of you who have not been interviewed yet, just know we're coming for you. Uh-oh. <laughs> well, I just was, I was with our old bishop just a few minutes ago from the, our previous ward, and I just told him what you were doing. Oh, yeah. I said, you better get on it. It's a good idea. I like to give bishops a little more work to do. So, Allison, why don't we start with you? Why don't you tell the ward a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, uh, where you're from, kind of your, just your story of, of high school uh, and college. Uh, and, yeah, just a little all bit. All the excitement. Kind of, yeah. Well, I grew up on the other side of the U uh, uh, in Federal Heights. I lived, I actually was born in Palo Alto, California, and then moved here when I was little. And um, I have four other siblings. Uh, I went to East, I went to Wasatch Elementary and J- Bryant Junior High and East High School. Um, and uh, when I was a sophomore in high school, finished with my sophomore year, I went to my second BYU tennis camp and that's where I met Ken. Ooh. He was down there uh, with his twin brother and my, I went down with a cousin and we were, we were, uh, as Ken likes to say, we were hitting lobs, and and uh, Ken and his brother came over and started talking to us, and yeah. Oh. So. And Ken still has the same tennis hat on right yeah. now. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's kind of come full circle. It's kind of part of our lives now. So. I know. We, in fact, we just played our first uh, league match last week together. So I know you're and we good, won. But you must be good too. Ken's better you than would, I, for sure, better, better than I am. I'm trying to catch up. I've been trying to catch up to him, to him since like 1984. Which is when we met, so it will never happen. Whoa! Yeah, it will. <laughs> There's a way. One I, more injury on you. Yeah, I was gonna say. Yeah, I've, I've seen you in walking cast yeah. and stuff. That's, that's I'm how we catch up. Hoping those are done. Yeah. So although we we really liked each other, um, we dated other people, and um, I I really liked Ken, but like I had a huge crush on Ken, and we would get together we had there was another there were a group of or there was another the two boys from the same family who met we all met at the same time and they'd come in from california and pick up ken and come they'd come up to salt lake and to the big city and pick up me and we'd go do stuff for years and years and years um, but we each dated other people and um i went to the university of utah and then um i went a friend talked me into going to Israel study abroad. It was when this center was brand new, like like they had just opened it. I think we were the first full group there. And um, and when I got home from 
uh, Israel, like, I, my whole life had changed. And I, I, I felt like I shouldn't be at the U anymore. And I just kind of was trying to figure out what to do. And I just had this strong feeling I was supposed to transfer. I was a uh, business major. I was just getting into my business major at, at the U. And I ended up transferring to the Y to do advertising. I thought business was too boring. So the advertising kind of gave a creative part to it. And then once I got down to BYU, and wait, as like a 20-year-old, was I 21? 21. 20, yeah. That's when we started dating for oh, reals. Down. Yeah, I was down. <clears throat> you're over there. Ken, Ken grew up in Provo. Yeah, Provo. Right? I did. Yeah, so, so Ken, you, you grew up in Provo. I grew up in Provo. Yeah, I was born in D.C. Uh, then we were in Palo Alto just before Allison moved. My dad was a, a doctor there at the Stanford Hospital. Yeah. And then by second grade, I was in Provo, and that's where I was raised. That's why I love the Cougars. Uh, even though I started at BYU, I was asked to leave after a couple of semesters since I didn't go to class and do things at school the way I should have. <laughs> I think it was grades. <laughs> one, one of my two regrets, yeah, grades. Uh, but then I worked and kind of played around down at, uh, in Provo with all my BYU friends. And then Allison finally came down and we got pretty serious and I figured I better We get had my, to each dump I, our old... I better get my... So, you know, our crapping, and girlfriend. yeah, together and uh, get serious. And yeah. So we started dating pretty seriously, and a few years later, we got married. It's fun that you met earlier, though. When we were oh yeah, yeah. Yeah. In fact, I went to uh, to tennis camp. I wasn't going to go, but I'm an identical twin, and my twin brother is a big was was a bigger tennis player than I was. But our neighbor was the tennis coach hmm. at BYU, and he said, "You guys are twins. You look the exact same. Just come on down. Just pay for one. You go. You can both go." So I'm like, "Okay." Otherwise, I wouldn't have gone. And. Uh, we get there first day, we register, we sign up, and you know, we're 16 year old kids, so we're like, hey, let's go hit by these pretty girls over here. And they were, they were just lobbing. And so it was, it was Allison and, and her cousin, and fell in love immediately, and somewhere deep inside just said, I want to marry her. So somehow it worked out. Yeah, it took me a little bit longer. <laughs> this wasn't like, coincidence. That's because I was no. a little kid from Provo, and she was from the big city. So. Yeah, no. So who was more intimidated? I was way more intimidated. Okay, yeah. Right answer. Especially when I drove not, up. Not because of me, I don't think. You were pretty strong, confident, even then, kind of what you have now. Probably more sassy than anything else. But, but then the first time I drove up to her house in Federal Heights and saw her house and then met her dad, I was like, holy cow, this is out of my league. <laughs> way, but yeah. somehow it worked out. So, yeah, awesome. that, we, we, so we got finished, married. So you guys finished BYU. I, we got married the same day I graduated. Okay. We, I had a little talk with Ken somewhere along the line about how I was not going to spend the rest of my life telling people that my husband never finished college. So So I got some grades in line uh, at the community college down there at UVU, and then I, when we got married, I started at the U and finished at the U. Yeah. There you go. Okay, so, so you're going to send your brother down to BYU. No. Well, he did the same thing. We, we, oh. we both graduated from the U. So. Yeah. That's great. But... Don't be fooled. I'm still true blue. Atta boy. Good job. Okay, hold on one sec. Something's ripped. Something is. Maybe it was these guys. Okay, that's it. There Sorry, it that drives you crazy when you're editing. Yeah. Edit. <laughs> Every time we touch a table. Yeah, edit that in one, two, three. Yeah. So, tell us about uh, Ken, your profession. Uh, I run a company that makes high strength pulleys, lifting equipment that's used in the oil industry. And, like, some of you probably know about fracking and they send tools in and out of the well. 
they'll run them up over our cables and pulleys to send them down and retrieve them and pull them back out. So I am a... Uh, been doing that for how long? I've been doing it probably for 20 I, years. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, I was I, trying to find an award when we yeah, do this, you yeah. know, like things that other ward members might need. Yeah. <laughs> a, a big, huge... Like, yeah. Well, I don't know if anybody's going to need a pulley that has 50,000 pounds capacity, but if you do, you give me a call. You can because, lift a lot with it. Like, yeah. When I've got a gopher problem, it's just yeah. I go yeah. to Tom, That's and exactly. he gives me the stick and says, light it and run. Caddyshack stuff. That's that is what I want. Yeah, no, that's uh, great. I started working, so Alice and I got, got married, and I was working doing that kind of part-time in the back production, and then just... When I, when I finished the U, I had an opportunity to, to get a job there and just kind of started and worked it. And now I, now I run it. So. Yeah. That's awesome. I never thought I would, I would be there. I graduated in communications uh, with the broadcast journalism emphasis. I was working at Fox and doing things as I was going through school, writing and editing and filming. And, uh, you wanted to be a sportscaster? Yeah, I wanted to be kind of on the production side. But once you graduate, you kind of got to go to small markets and places and you don't make a whole lot of money and I didn't want to do that. So yeah. sure. one day he came home and one of the sportscasters was, uh, he, he had told Ken, he's like, oh yeah, I know, I'm always here when my kids are playing their own games. And yeah. Ken's like, yeah, I'm not doing that. Yeah, that was one of the things for what I wanted to do. I would go at like five o'clock in the afternoon and I would come home at 11, 30, 12 o'clock at night after doing everything. And I'm like, it's the worst part of the day to be at work. So yeah. Yeah. I just figured at some point it would be great, kids. but I wasn't ready to do that. It wasn't my idea of what I wanted to do the rest of my life. So, yeah. so luckily something else came out and that's where I am. Yeah. Allison, how about you? I graduated in advertising and worked um, uh, downtown. I worked for an ad agency and then um, ended up working with the media group and the LDS Church was one of my clients, which is how I met Mike Dunn. Oh, wow. And then Mike, uh, when Mike started Dunn Communications, when he left Bonneville, Boncom, uh, he, to start his own thing, he, he, I was his first employee. Because oh, wow. I had quit my job. I, want, I did sort of my own advertising thing at home when I had my first child, with, when I had Devin. Okay. So Mike hired me, and uh, I tried to keep up with him for a year, and then I had my second baby, and I had to slow down a little bit because I had these, it was one thing dragging a, one child around and running to agencies and whatnot, but when it was two, it was different. So I did that. And after my third baby, I just, I'd always loved jewelry. I've always collected jewelry. And um, I just, I got this crazy idea and I started a jewelry design business that I did for 15 years and sold to Sundance and Athleta and a whole bunch of different catalogs and whatnot. We made thousands of pieces of jewelry. I, used, I worked, I had like stay-at-home moms build everything. Wow, did and you then, know this? No, nope, I didn't know <laughs> this. Cool this. <laughs> yeah, I mean, that's, I think that's kind of what, I've, what people would say about me is I was the, a jewelry designer. And I, I did it for years. I, I created uh, two direct sales jewelry lines for um, big companies and one day I quit uh, when the boys were, Devin had gone on her mission and the boys were home and they needed help getting through the last couple of years of, of high school. Um, and then uh, I had a brother, I have a, my oldest brother who was gay, um, took his life about five years ago, next month. 
and that sent me on an entirely surprising unknown path of uh, just helping families and individuals who are LGBTQ within the church because there's there's actually almost no resources for families. And I'd grown up in a family who was supportive and loving uh, towards my brother and anyway, that's, that's how I got where I am. So I've sort of on my third iteration of careers and life, this one's the most unexpected for sure. So Although as I look back, it's, I was Seems like it's leading you, it's been yeah. leading you to this. Oh yeah, as I, I mean, really all of our experiences have kind of, so many of my experiences have led me to this. So. Tell us a little bit more about this uh, LGBTQ and, and what you're trying to do and how it affects the LDS faith. Well, so, so, um, and I don't know, did I mention Jake just now? No. I didn't? No. Okay. Um, so at the same time, we were um, kind of recovering from my brother's death. Our, we both knew our son was gay. So we had this, this tragic death and, and really kind of a tragic life. Even though he was supported by us, he, he wasn't supported by his religious community. He left when he was 24 and he never came back. And um, just watching him like suffer and really become extremely angry at the church was so painful to watch and it, it, it sort of tore the family apart. Um, as much as we tried to be supportive, we just really didn't understand what he was going through. So we had, I had that viewpoint and then this child and all I could think of was his life has to be different. Um, and as I reflected on my family, the one thing that made it different, our, our family's experience different was that my parents just trusted that this was their eternal family and that um, the Lord would take care of us and my brother and we would all be together. And they didn't know how that worked. Um, I think they'd been through enough life that they, they just knew things worked, that the Lord had them. I so, love that. yeah, so, and I could see in all, as I, as I was more and more open, and I was always open, I knew my brother was gay when I was in high school in the mid 80s. And I talked, my friends knew, we talked about it. My parents didn't and in the mid '80s, that was radical. Yeah. yeah, my my brother came out to my parents in the '70s. Wow. Yeah, and it was not a good situation. I think they made a huge mistakes. That I mean, they would admit it now. Um, but you know, back then we thought it was a choice, and we thought everybody thought they could fix them and all of that. So uh, the biggest we knew for almost five years that Jake was probably gay and it was the hardest thing for me was um, seeing my brother's life and then not wanting this for my child. So um, finally one day Ken said to me, his life's not going to be the same. And, and that was the thing that really kind of released me from the pain that I was feeling and, and made it easier for me just to parent again. And I realized that a lot of parents were in the same position that I was, that they just, they couldn't see this, you know, this between the doctrine and this child, there's just such conflict. And um, you really have to kind of move into the middle. I always say we, we move families into the middle between by like this black and white thinking and to like, there's another answer. 
and you have to find it. And it's just between you and the Lord. So we, so I started an Instagram account. I kind of did it to support LGBTQ children, but very quickly realized it was the mothers that needed the help because moms don't know. As soon as their child comes out there are almost, it's like they've forgotten how to parent, they've forgotten everything. And so I created Lift and Love. I really tuned Lift and Love into, um, it's a support for families, of course, when you have the mom. Is supporting. that the name of the website? Uh, the, yeah, it's a foundation now. So we're 501c3. It's Lift and Love, the Lift and Love Foundation. And we do education, we do, we have support groups, we have suicide recognition and training um, that's actually uh, done for free by a woman that's in our state named Jody um, England Hansen. And she's an amazing woman. And um, so we offer that and support for LGBTQ youth mm -hmm. that we have with the therapist for um, YSA-aged kids who's also with, the, the support group is also with the therapist and then adults. And then we just tell stories and try and educate people so that, so other people, people without LGBTQ children or queer children can support those of us that do have them within the church. Yeah. This is absolutely fantastic. Yeah, it's been, it's hard beyond, beyond, <laughs> Ken laughs because every couple of weeks I'm on the floor crying. But um, never laugh. But yeah. <laughs> yes, not during the, those moments. But it's hard. It's a hard thing, and it's so needed. So, the, so for the listeners, I mean, obviously you have so much experience, and I think, I mean, we're all learning at this point. What would you tell the listeners on how to approach this in from a gospel lens? And a loving the people lens, like how, give give us some, because it can be so judgmental mm -hmm. when the lay member's not like trying to be judgmental. It's just yeah. a cultural problem. Yeah. Well, what what we're really finding is um, we we have these euphemisms. Just don't act on it things like that, that stop us from, stop people from really understanding the experience that somebody is having. Um, so the, the one thing I would ask members is no, no gay, no LGBTQ individual or their family needs a, another lesson about the doctrine. Those, those families know it better than anybody because they have had the only way to survive is to really dig in and understand it and just hope that, that there will be more light and knowledge on it. So, so regardless of what anybody's belief is, the, the one thing you can do is just love and support. Keep asking how they're doing, what they're up to, if they're dating anybody, are they, you know, these families. Because again, like just with the moms, as soon as people find out someone's LGBTQ in their ward, People stop asking about that child or they stop talking to the parent because of their beliefs. And that's, we know that's not the best way to handle things, right? That's not what the gospel's about. The, the gospel's about supporting each other. So I would just say the families know the doctrine. They are trying with, like, I would say they are hanging on the edge of a cliff trying to stay active in a church where the doctrine doesn't fit their family. 
So all we can do is support and help and love and just let them know that we love them. I love that. Ken, I'd, I'd, I'd be interested to hear your, you know, <laughs> yeah. your comments around this. You know, it's kind of hard for me to see Allison do it because sometimes I wake up, she's already been up for hours, whether she's been reading texts or emails or phone calls that people have, have sent her and then usually I'm going to bed and she's still in bed trying to answer and, and see things. So it's been a real challenge for me. When my son came out, my main concern was his happiness. Sure. And I knew that somehow within our family we would be strong and we would be together and our unit was not going to separate or have uh, any problem or conflict around that going forward. But Allison was like, I need to do more. There are other families that aren't like us, that don't have a structure and a, a base that's, that's solid to move on. And so she really worked to go outside. And it was a little bit of a struggle for us in the beginning because when Allison gets into a subject or has a question, she digs deep. She <laughs> goes in and she digs into scriptures and All talks in. and yeah. And I'm just like, um, if I hear something and it sounds true, then I believe it and it's kind of hard to unwaver. Well, and that's hard because like, I want him to feel what I feel. Sure. But he doesn't, he doesn't. And, and nor do I feel the way he does. And that, that's, that was a, yeah, that so, was hard, wasn't it? Yeah, so we were on the same page, going the same path, but in completely different uh, energy levels, I guess. Yeah, for sure. So it was hard. It was a challenge for me. I mean, I grew up in a family of seven boys, uh, and so that wasn't something that we really touched super, on. Super, super traditional. Yeah, my, my parents divorced when I was young, but my dad's family from Wyoming, and they were all in the gospel all the way. We still are. My mom's family, not quite so much, and she had a sister who, you know, later was, was gay, so we've had... She was some... always gay. We just found out about it later. <laughs> Nobody yes. talked about it. As my <laughs> uncle said, she still loved me. Finally, she I was is. like, okay, she so that... Yeah. She's, living... <laughs> she's yeah. living with her roommate, or... Yeah. yeah. But, uh, yeah, sometimes it's hard because I can't quite give her the support that she needs. Yeah. Uh, I don't want to go outside of what I feel comfortable or where I can go and be faker and sincere with her, but I think we've come to a good place now. Yeah, yeah, you're really super supportive. And, you know, it's not an issue in our family with Jake. No. I mean, it really just, not at all. We're well, sad. Well, the first time he came home with black nail polish and yeah. big cute earrings, it was kind of like, okay, but all right, like, where'd you get that? I'm going to do that, trying to see if that would dissuade him, but it doesn't. It doesn't. I have a co-worker um, who's gay, and and he single-handedly has changed my my mind mm -hmm. on yeah. so many things and he's one of my if not my favorite employee yeah. right well i think that that happens and allison's found that a lot and i found that a lot too i mean i grew up in provo very conservative family and i didn't have contact or context with somebody who who was gay really. you knew kids who probably were but you know until you really have someone and you know someone and you get to know them and you realize hey these are great people there's nothing different you know, you might be uncomfortable to some degree, but not because of who they are, but you don't want to say the wrong thing sometimes, and that's why some people shut off. But when my son kind of came out, and family members were great and loving and supportive, but they didn't communicate with him as much as they did before, and as almost more because they didn't want to say the wrong thing. But to him, it was kind of like, well, they don't want to talk about it, or they're just kind of shutting me off. So yeah. I think that's great that you have that relationship, and that's kind of what, the more that that happens, you see that things are normal, and it's just a difference, but it doesn't need yeah, to be a... Exactly. Yeah, and, and, and you, you learn. It's the stories when you really talk to people. So much. That he helps me so much in business because he's given me perspectives I haven't thought of. Yeah. Right? And yeah. 
anyways, it's just he's he's a dear friend, and yep. I couldn't imagine doing my job without him. Right. And so when we realized that, totally. Well, and you know, you say that it makes me think. One question you can always ask an LGBTQ person or a parent, particularly, like, how has this increased your faith in Jesus Christ? Yeah. Because it where you can't these families generally can't get support in a ward mm -hmm. they may not feel like they're getting support even from the the you know from the higher leadership sure so to stay you know that but they really dig in with their savior and they that's that is kind of the universal thing i found is that these families really dig in and that. they ask the Savior to just guide them because they feel like they aren't getting anything from where they, they're not getting it from where they used to get it. Yeah. So that's always, uh, you know, ask people that and you will hear some amazing stories. I firmly believe that. Yeah, for sure. Well, well, thank you for sharing that. I know yeah. it's, uh, you know, it's near and dear and, and personal and, yeah. and vulnerable and it's vulnerable. And, and hard and, and hard right i mean there's a lot of adjectives that come yeah. to mind <laughs> jewelry but was I, a lot easier wasn't it when i was selling jewelry <laughs> but i will say this and, and 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 i need to i need to make this comment and that is talking about this i feel the spirit right now good right yeah and 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 it's here yeah which yeah. confirms truth right right well and and the more we talk about it our kids need us to talk about it yeah. Because our kids are, their friends are 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 gay and yeah. out, or sure. or are gender, as we say, gender expansive, or quite you know, gender fluid. They need to talk about it with us, and we want them to come talk about this and any other doctrinal issues they have. We want them to to, to do it around the kitchen table like this, yeah. not with their friends, not on Google searches, not on any of that other thing we want to dig into doctrine and and i also have a firm testimony that when i dig into doctrine with this lens i get amazing answers that's great it doesn't turn me away in fact our son his first year at byu he came up with a whole bunch of kids we probably had 10 12 kids stay at our house the first week there was a pride week down salt lake and they were overnight and and a lot of them were talking allison was so good with them but they didn't have parents that kind of loved or supported them. They didn't know how to handle them or kind of pushing them out. So it was, but these were faithful kids that wanted a connection into the church and into families. And, and we're going to BYU. Some yeah. of them without even, they were paying their own way. Right. And yeah, hmm. because they had a connection and they wanted to feel it and they wanted to be a part of it, yeah. but it didn't work out in their family. So it was great to hear their stories and give them a, a place where they could be heard and loved and uh, cared for. I love that. So, so Allison, why don't we uh, talk a little bit about your spiritual journey in life and, and tell us uh, about how you, you know, came to, to believe what you believe in your testimony and, you know, have, has it been something where you just, from the beginning, you were all in or has there been these moments that have, you know, got you to this point of your, your, your testimony? Tell us about your spiritual journey if you will. I would I would say I was all I always knew I'd be in the church I mean I ever every single one of my ancestors came on the in the pioneer uh, migration and it, it runs in my blood and uh, I always I, I wouldn't say that I believed but I always knew that there was goodness 
I went to Israel, when I went to Israel, I actually would say that was when I was converted. Mm. Yeah, you didn't mention that. Yeah, I was converted in Tell Israel. Tell us about and that experience. I went, I went as a BYU, I mean, I went as, I was so dumb. I, I remember sitting in my first religion class, because I'm at the U, so I don't have religion classes. And I'm sitting there, and I, <laughs> and the teacher's like, turn to Alma. And I'm like looking through the Bible, and my friend's like, it's in the Book of Mormon. I was like, okay, thanks. <laughs> so then I flicked into I the, it. I mean, that's exactly where I was. I love it. It's just like riding the coattails of my family right into the church and with, with no knowledge whatsoever. But uh, in Israel in that time, I, I, I just gained a testimony of Jesus Christ. And um, that changed everything. I mean, it changed where I was going to school. It changed my trajectory. Uh, it was the beginning of what would be grow to be my faith, I think. My, it changed who you married. Yeah. Or put I you in the right. I don't know. I was pretty... I think there wasn't anything that was going to keep Ken and I away from each other. For, but, okay. but, um, what year were you there? Uh, in Israel, I was 20. Was I 19? I, was I turned 20 in Israel, 89. Yeah. It was just, it really was. I think that we were the first group after the dedication and the group before us moved in in the middle of the semester. So um, we're actually taking our kids back for Christmas. Awesome. So Jake and Jake, our our Jake, was in the Jerusalem Center. He was studying abroad when COVID hit and had to come home. Mm -hmm. So we said to him, "Well, we'll go back. We'll take you back." And the other two haven't been there. So, um, and my testimony grew. I started having the Spirit just started speaking to me in ways that would help me with my children, in powerful ways. Um, when Devin was little, she was born with. Um, her eyes wouldn't match up and the doctor said oh it's six months to take her in which we did and the doctor said oh we're just gonna patch her she's fine little strength in the eye and she sat in a chair and wouldn't move she's six months old and she looked so sad I called the nurse and I said I don't think she can see and the nurse said oh you're just being a new mom you're just being a new mom and just patch her for two more weeks um, and then bring her in and but the Spirit said to me, Devin is blind. And uh, so we, we, I did what I was told because I was a new mom. And uh, when we went back to the doctor, he looked in her eye again and he said, she's actually blind in that eye. And um, that was the first time that I think, now I can recognize, recognize times before when the Spirit was really strong, but I didn't, it wasn't like, I kind of thought it was my, my own thoughts. That was the very first one that really, was powerful um, and many other times uh, and then with the policy on LGBTQ uh, baptisms of children of LGBTQ members that was the first time where I thought I don't know if I can stay active in this church I had a brother who was gay I had um, this child who I thought was gay and Ken and I we were sitting we were talking about it and we told the kids we were really upset and that we would, you know, get back to them. We were gonna try and figure out what was going on. And I said to Ken, I don't, what is, what does our life look like without the church? And Ken said to me, what does our children's life look like? And I swear the spirit just hit me upside the head and was like, you have to figure this out. And it was like, so 
abrupt. And I, that's when I, like Ken said, I just dug in and I, I started reading everything. And it, that, that was sort of the turning point where I realized some of this stuff is hard. <laughs> but if I dug, I dig in. Huh. I, I will, and I do get answers and I get them all the time. The, you know, as long as I'm really digging in and turning my heart to Christ, I, I get answers and they've been helpful. Absolutely. Awesome. I like to follow Allison because she gets the spirit to speak to her and it <laughs> takes us in, it takes us in some pretty amazing places. Smart man. Yeah. This home's one of them. So yeah, yeah. So that's great. It's true. Kim, why don't you tell us about your spiritual journey in life? <sighs> My journey maybe started, like I alluded to earlier, uh, my parents divorced. I was probably nine, seven little boys, and we had a great ward, the Edgemont Eighth Ward down in Provo that, you know, there were some issues as you always have with divorces, and uh, my mom kind of threatened to go back to her comfort zone, which was the Bay Area. Um, her, her mom was a member, and my grandfather wasn't, but she wanted to go back home where she needed support for her seven little boys. and. And, uh, and the ward kind of praying, fasting, saying, you need to stay here. We need to help. And, and she decided to kind of stay and probably answer to her prayer and a lot of ours as well, because we had great men in that ward to kind of help oversee and raise all of us and even still to this day. And I think that's kind of where it started. Tell them how it happened, like with those seven little boys. And yeah, so we had seven little boys, and there seemed to always be one man that was kind of a really a key father figure for us all the way throughout. I mean, if you can imagine, like, seven men took over. Oh, did yeah. you and Ken's twin, did you oh, yeah. have different? No, we were pretty much the same. We had a guy, uh, Phil Merritt was, was his name. He was really key to us. And then we had great friends in high school that, uh, they were twin girls that we spent a lot of time with. And their father, Merrill Bateman, was a great uh, father figure to us. And Merrill and J? What, mm -hmm. huh? Yeah, he actually married Allison and I. Yep. Uh, so we had some great leaders that way, and so I just kind of, and my mom was very strong. Mm -hmm. uh, and she kept us all where she needed to be, and that was kind of her way to make sure we were protected. And we look back on it now sometimes, and it's like, wow, she was too controlling. But I think she did what she felt she had to do to keep us away from, you know, other temptations and problems that kind of used to find people a lot more back then with divorce. and. Uh, when it came time to serve a mission, it was almost just expected by, you know, people in Pro sure. to go and do it. And I didn't do it. I didn't go. And that was kind of hard, especially for my twin brother, because he went. And uh, so that was a separation for us. And then I just remember that after that time, I was a little bit kind of in a, in a gray area. And I always kind of compare it to like water skiing, you know. You stay behind the boat. It's pretty smooth. It's nice. But, you know. I didn't want to stay there. I wanted to get out, and so I was on the choppy water. But still, there was like something that was telling me, you know, you can't let go. You can stay out here for a while and mm -hmm. do your thing, but you can't let go. You need to stay a part of this church and get and get back in line. And what a great analogy. Yeah, and eventually that uh, kind of happened. I mean, the church is strong in 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 my genes, and like I say, there was a belief of the gospel. It wasn't very deep, but I knew that it was there and it was real and that I was a part of it and connected to families and from way back when. Uh, and I wanted that for uh, my family. So, so when, you, when, when you guys got married and you got yeah. uh, sealed in the temple, which temple? Salt Lake Temple. Salt Lake Temple. Okay. We actually both had to kind of make a... a it, it, while 
it was sort of the path of what we knew we would do. We both sort of had to make a commitment to go to church. Yeah, and that's what I wanted to get to. Yeah. Like, did you, how, together, did you guys decide, hey, this is, we need to do this? Or, yeah. I mean, what did that look like? We did. I think in our first ward, we lived in a little... one of us were really that into church when yeah. we got married. I mean, we, I wouldn't say we weren't, we just... Sure. We weren't that. We weren't like scriptorians, or we, neither yeah, of us. No, we weren't. Neither of us had submission, so there wasn't deep knowledge and connection that way. But there was but at something this point, else. You knew where Alma was. Yes. <laughs> well, and I'd taken religion classes because I ended up at BYU, so I, yeah. I did. I did start learning. But I mean, obviously, the, the the basics. We knew we were children of God. We knew sure. we had heavenly parents that loved us. We knew families were forever. There were things that we've always both been believers. Yeah, we've always been believers, and I there's. There's always a spirit that you'd feel, and when you weren't there, it was it was noticeably not there, and so mm -hmm. you wanted that. And yeah, I remember sometimes we'd be at wards, and we didn't ever feel right in the student wards that we were in, and so we'd cut out halfway through meetings and not go to class and drive around, figuring, are we going to become members of the church, and we need to find a better place to go to church. Yeah, we needed a family ward to pull us in. So then we, we bought really a, we did. bought a little house over in Harvard Yale and had a great ward that took us in, and it just kind of took us on the path and... Which ward were you in Harvard, Yale? We were in the Bonneville first ward at the time. Okay. And we, then... And we were then, there for 14 years. 14 years, then we bought a house three blocks away and went in the Bonneville second ward. And then 12 years later, both those wards combined and so we had the, both our wards back together. Yeah. And what brought you here? How did, how did that happen? Well, like our last two homes, Allison had the spirit said we need to go move here when we were even thinking of looking and that same thing happened here. She... Yeah. I've told the story she quite was, a bit. We well, we so, need to hear it because okay, I haven't so heard it. Okay, <laughs> so we got to talk about Luke too because oh yeah, we've talked about the other two and he Luke's gets, our youngest son, and yes. he was kind of struggling with some friends and had some issues over at East High, and so we one day finally I said, well, why are we trying to make it work? And I mean, because my happy. grandparents went to East, yeah. my parent, my mom went mm -hmm. to East. I went to East. I went to East. Yeah, yeah my son's like, we're legacies. We can't leave, and huh. I'm like, yeah. I'm like, high school should be the happiest time of your life. You need to go somewhere where you can have a great time. Yeah. So mid year, his junior year, he transferred to Olympus. Yeah. And he wanted us to move over here or where his over, friends lived. Yeah. So we looked for. And we looked. We kind of looked and thought, time. and we're like, we don't want to leave the neighborhood or friends when things aren't great. It didn't when feel I, right. Yeah. It did, yeah. It didn't feel right for us to move. Yeah. So then he goes on a mission, and two months later, he's down in Orlando. Yeah. Come he's home in July. Orlando. Yeah. He'll be home July twenty-six. He's under a hundred days. <laughs> but who's counting? Mm -hmm. oh yeah. Exactly. I'm ready for that. His mom and, and the missionary. I think eighteen-month missions are of the perfect time. <laughs> <laughs> but especially with when you don't have a language. No. But um. I was taking an art class up in the canyon. Mm -hmm. I was painting. I was trying to. I was. Actually, she was about to go do this long, intensive. I was like two months in. Yeah, and the spirit told her one day she was feeling gas, like you can't do this. This is not where you. Yeah, should do this I was just time. so stressed, and this, again, the spirit just said to me, "You need to focus on lift and love." Mm. And the next day, I'm up the canyon painting and. It's the day that the Neff, the Neff Canyon fire lot two years ago, mm -hmm. and I'm, I met this woman in the parking lot the day before, and we I saw her again, and I just started I started the conversation. Yeah. yeah, she was painting with us, and Patty. yeah, mm -hmm. Pat, yeah, Patty, and um, Patty. yeah, Patty. and she, I said to her, "Oh, did, did you see the fire?" And we started talking about it, and I she said, "Do you live in the Cove?" And I said, "No, my husband and I'd like to move there." And she said, "Well, we want to sell our house." And she told me about no it, and way. I was like, I'll buy it. We'll buy it. <laughs> and then I called Ken, and I said, 
I, I found our house. <laughs> he said, this was the third phone call I've had like this in our marriage. I found, I found our next house. So, so that's how we got here. And it was all, so we moved here. I felt like I'd already been doing Lift and Love, but I felt like I really needed to drop everything else and really. What was interesting is about three weeks ago, she kind of felt like, hey, we need to go up in the cove. Maybe we should look to live there. And I told her, I said, I don't want to live in the cove. When I was in college, I worked for a friend of mine who went to Skyland back in high school. Mm. And I used to mow, mow lawns. Was he a Frederick? No. He, <laughs> he was a Peterson. But uh, he had a landscaping company, and, and I worked for him, and I used to mow lawns up here in this neck of the woods. And I hated it. Yes. The yards were big. I got lost in all of the streets, and I'm like, I don't want to go up to the cove. I had bad memories. Like the Riddle's house, I mowed that lawn. I mowed where Mike Dunn lived. I, the Thackeray's. Oh, that's a big lawn. There were a lot of big lawns where next, next door to the Rollins. I mean, big, huge lawns, and I didn't want to come up here. But then we came up a week, a couple weeks before she met Patty, and I'm like, okay, it's really pretty up here. You got your own big lawn. The mountains, and I'm like, I do want a big yard. I like big yards, so we have big families. We need big space for big groups. So, yeah. so this is why this is the how we got so lucky in the Nefs Canyon Ward <laughs> yes. to get the Dayton's here. Yes. I like. Well, I think I think there were a lot of similarities between Patty and Allison. When they are moved to do something, it gets moving. It gets done. I don't think Scott was as ready to move. No, as, I uh, definitely Patty don't think Scott was. What a blessing. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks. But no, we, it was a big week because it was just we changed a ton. Yeah. And. You know, and there were a lot of times too. There were, some, to know. there were some things, you know, in the process were stressed. We had sold our home, our, our great home that we loved over there, and we were waiting. We were going to give you know Clement some time to get through the the holidays and whatnot. But it was really nervous for us as we were living in rentals, thinking, oh, something happens. And <laughs> I was thinking, oh, I got to play a hardball and this and that. And Alice was like, no, we love these guys. We're not going to do anything that ruins this relationship or anything else. We're and. Yeah. She was right again. I just I loved to... Patty from the minute, like, you yeah. know, from the minute I met her. So well, yeah, yeah, and we are so grateful to be brought over here. It's just it's so beautiful to wake up in the mountains. Yeah, it's so. But the house is great. The we, house feels comfortable we live in a and painting, warm. I think. We came into great? a great, a great place. Yeah, and we hope that. Uh, well, I, I'm not going to give it to anybody else. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, you guys are stuck with us for a while. Well, no, we, we just as long as feel the, like you made the right decision. Oh yeah, it's so your good. Your bedroom's on like the main level, so you like. We could, that was the whole right? thing. We were, there like, were we so many move. things about this, with like my Never. mom, her mom, my old dog that's no longer with us. It made things last longer and more energy mm -hmm. because our old place was up a steep driveway and up and down stairs. Those and, old homes. And, yeah, this one's yeah. a lot. And then lot having a place where. So I have three siblings who are living in, but none of them live here. So we gotta get, we gotta kick the other two out of the guest house. But just the idea of having a place for people to come stay. What a blessing too. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. And Devin and Jake, which has really been fun to have them there. They're great. That's so Allison's good. happy she has a pool and I'm happy that I have a large garage. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Two well, things I have. And chickens. And chickens. How are we not talking about the chickens? Allison's happy. You got to see these eggs. eggs. Allison's are happy. Are they gorgeous? Chickens. Perfect. Easter eggs. I like, picked, I picked I wish the we chickens had for their show colors. <laughs> Aren't they so pretty though? Well, Allison picked the chickens because of the color of the eggs. So, so they were like pretty in a bowl. Has nothing to do with the flavor or anything. So is the certain chicken lay the same color egg uh -huh. each time? Uh -huh. mm -hmm. So it depends on what color you have to buy, You have to, yeah, have a to certain chicken lays a blue egg and one lays a green egg. This a whole and, different podcast. I know. There's a lot of chicken. Uh, I think there are a lot of people in the world that have chickens. Farmers. Yeah. We have a lot of chickens the, around here. Hmm. 
Yeah, I think we just got the tanners hooked oh, into the chicken. I know where to come for fresh eggs. Right? Yeah. We'll send you a some because we're going out of town. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, we'll send you some. Yeah. Well, let me uh, uh, ask this last question, and hopefully you've heard this before, because it's kind of a fun final question, to, and this has been absolutely enjoyable. Um, uh, Tom, did I miss anything on your side? You didn't say No, I've just one. been amazed to listen to this, and uh, I'd love to have a another discussion with you just to ask you a lot of questions that have come up in my mind. Well, it's so fun to meet you. We've known Fredericks for quite a long time. Mm -hmm. Rebecca and my cousin grew up together. Sarah Beener. Did you? Oh, no. The bishop grew up with them. Anyway, mm -hmm. so yeah. it's fun to be in, in your ward now. But then we knew uh, Tom, yeah. From, oh, yeah, Tom and, and, and their kids. Mm -hmm. All their kids are all our kids' age. And actually, you can erase this part. <laughs> When I turned 16, my girlfriend, I had a crush on a guy at East High who was older. And I, on my 16th birthday, my, I went to the door. My friend said, get, get all dressed up. You're going out. Maybe this guy doesn't want to have this story yeah, told. Yeah, don't tell, don't put this on here. <laughs> you have to get approval. So I opened the door and there was Sid Winters waiting for me. Oh. And he was the crush. And I was so nervous. No I don't way. think I said many Such words that whole world. night. Isn't that so funny? I get his permission for this. Well, and then, yeah, no, isn't that totally funny? And then uh, we ended up living in the same ward as Sid's mom and and dad, Mary. who we adore, Mary and yeah. Dick. And, I mean, Mary is just, Mary they were both amazing. just amazing. Yeah. We loved them. And small Mary, world. yeah. So, small isn't it small? World. It is. It's so, so cool. great. All right, Ken. 100 years from now. 100 years from right now, your posterity, your great, 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 great granddaughter or yeah. son is listening to this very podcast because it's on Family Search and they clicked on this link. I will have died just a few years prior to yeah. that. Day. Ken's going to love that one. Uh, what, talk to him. What would you say? I would tell my kids and I would hope that all of them keep their family uh, close and those bonds strong. Because no matter where they are in the globe, I have now have 11 siblings. Uh, when my dad re remarried, there are a lot of us. And so families are great. And that's just what I want them to know, that families are forever. And no matter what, they need to love and support and be there. No matter how different or angry or frustrating, they need to be there together with them. And that through that, that they can help them through anything. And uh, there's always a place for them. Love that's that. what I would say. Love that. Thank you. Allison? That's Same why question. I married him. He's all, he's all family. Awesome. That's yeah. so good. Um, I would say, I would say the same thing. I would, but I'd say, don't be afraid. Um, life is so good. Life, there's, there's moments of intense pain. There's things that will just knock the wind out of you and maybe knock you to the ground. But, don't be afraid. Uh, just dig in, dig in, make the savior your close companion. So often I think we, we put the savior so far away and so mysterious. And I think that that it, um, inhibits like the relationship we should be having with the savior, which is he's right here and you just have to ask. And, um, and sometimes I've asked, sometimes I've demanded, sometimes I've yelled and cried and screamed. And yet, he's always there. And um, so 
hold on to each other. Don't don't fear. And and love will get you through and love of the savior. I have a big smile on my face just because I absolutely love what's being said and uh, I agree and thank you so much. This has been wonderful and uh, I can't wait to let everybody hear it. Oh, thanks. Well, We've done a lot of these yeah. and uh, this one has really been a special one to me. Well, thank You've you. You've taught us a lot. Thanks. Well, thank you. I learn from her every day. <laughs> Super learning. patient. Yeah. So patient with me.